Welcome to the Abundant Life Church Sermon of the Week. We hope you enjoy this message by our guest speaker. For more information about Abundant Life Church, please visit www.abundantlifechurch.org. Amen. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. God is good. It is a wonderful, wonderful, wonderful privilege to be here. Amen. And to be in service with y'all and to meet y'all for the first time. Amen. The presence of the Lord is here. Some awesome worship and praise and singing and uh, it's just heavenly. It is just heavenly. Hallelujah. Thank you, Pastor. Um, I just want to say, first of all, Pastor, I'm under your covering. You're my pastor while I'm here. I appreciate you and whatever you say I will do. And, you know, he's just, you know, give us freedom, liberty. We feel that. Amen. And how many loves your pastor this morning? Amen. 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 How many walks up to your pastor and says, Pastor, I love you. You know, thank you for what you're doing in my life. Thank you for your leadership. You know, and Pastor, you know, I'm subject unto you. You're my leader. You know, Moses led over 3 million people out of Egypt. You know, and they gave him a hard time. But he still loved them. He was still a leader. Amen. And I know you have a good leader today. I spent some time with him yesterday, my wife and I did, and some of the folks. And, uh, you know, and just, I mean, just seeing what God is doing, you know, and how y'all are rallying with him. I mean, this is just awesome. Amen. I'm actually, um, in my former former church uh, back in Virginia, I said to my pastor for 35 years, I subjected him to my pastor. He was a good pastor. I loved him. And uh, there was times when he got on my toes, but he was still my pastor. Amen. And I listened to him and God has blessed my life immensely. Amen. If you have good leadership, good pastor, stand behind him. He'll lead you the right way. God will bless your life. He will truly bless your home. He'll bless everything you do. If, because a pastor, God is over Christ. Christ is over man. And then there's your pastor. The anointing flows down from God, the anointing flows down from your pastor. If you're subjecting to your pastor, the anointing then flows to you. That's how it works. Amen. And who doesn't want to be anointed? Amen. Isn't it great to feel the anointing of the Holy Ghost in your life? Amen. 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 I love it. I love it. Hallelujah. Amen. I'd just like to read a scripture this morning uh, in the Ninth chapter of the book of Isaiah, I mean, uh, excuse me, Jeremiah. Thus saith the Lord, let not the wise man glory in his wisdom, neither let, it, let the mighty man glory in his might, let not the rich man glory in his riches, but let him that glorieth glory in this, that he understandeth and knoweth me, that I am the Lord which exercises love and kindness, judgment and righteousness in the earth. For in these things I delight, saith the Lord. Amen. The Lord delights in loving us. He delights in righteousness and loving kindness. The scripture says, as he is, so are we here in this present world. If this is what he is, that's what we should be. If he shows us this, we should show this to one another. You know, if we love him, Jesus said, if you love me, then you'll do the things that I say. If we do the things that he says, he's gonna bless us. Amen. It's so rich. It is, it's so rich, the blessing. I just, I just feel, I feel the glory of God. 
I just feel the glory of God is gonna do great things. Amen. If you're here this morning, you have not been baptized in the precious name of Jesus Christ that covers your, your sins. The blood, the blood covers your sins when you're baptized in his precious name. And if you've not received the precious baptism of the Holy Ghost, speaking with other tongues as the Spirit fills you, amen. That is why we're here. Amen. I have been blessed to the Lord to participate in praying with people. Hundreds. My wife, Sister Vicki, I know she's prayed hundreds and thousands through and, and, and the ministry that she has and God has blessed her and has enriched my life to be her husband. Amen. And she is just a godly, wonderful woman that I love with all my heart. Uh, you know, we, we, I think we told the pastor how we met and how God brought us together. And it's just, it's just wonderful to be a part of it. Amen. And to be here with you folks and, and just feel the love and, and the, the worship that you have is awesome. It's just awesome. It's just a privilege to be in the presence of all of you. You know, we do this together. We're all workers together in the kingdom. You know, not one congregation is different from another. Amen. We're all in this together, whether it's here, whether it's another state, we're all the body of Christ wherever we go and whatever we do. Amen. Amen. You know, I'm going to hush and ask my wife to come. Amen. Because there's a lot to be said, just the presence of God. And while God is moving, can we just raise our hands and give God some worship and praise as Sister Vicki comes to speak to us today. Praise the Lord. Jesus gave me a southern boy. When he said, good to be here with y'all, I turned to the little girls next to me and I said, Jesus gave me a southern boy. I am very blessed indeed. We're going to have a great time together in the next few minutes. It's been great already. And it's really always amazing to me how the spirit flows from beginning to the end, from the time of prayer this morning, from the beautiful devotion that we heard. It's all flowing together, just like it's supposed to. If you wanna bring those stands up here for me, of course, I can't minister without some kind of junk with me. <laughs> You'd be disappointed, wouldn't you, if I didn't have a boat or a doll or a birthday table or something to do up here. I don't think I could do it without it. And today I have a word for you. Uh, we made history together, me and you, this church. I feel very connected to you. I was in 53 churches last year. And I'm going into 30 years in April of full-time ministry. This is all I've done for the last 30 years. And so I've run into a lot of people. A lot of churches, a lot of personalities. Some churches I pop in and there's a harvest of souls and I know that's why I'm there. I don't go back or if I go back, it's four or five years later. There are churches about now 60 to 70%, I repeat. But there is something special when you connect, when you speak into the lives of people, when you feel apart and I've connected with you. And so making history, what happened is I had a, someone move something around on my calendar, which is even more common than ever. And this date came open and the Lord spoke to me directly. 
about being with you. I have never in 30 years picked up the phone and called a pastor and said, I have a date open and do you feel this in the Holy Ghost? But I did that this, for this weekend. I believe God brought us together for such a time as this. Amen. And so that means he has something in mind for all of us today. I love you. I'm glad to be with you. Brother Kylie, it's always so wonderful to see you. I'm missing your other half. I won't say better because I think you're kind of equal in all that better stuff. But I, I know you're missing her and I miss her smiling face, her, her gentle spirit. And I love you folks. I'm just so thankful that God brought us together. Brother and Sister Cordell, I love you. We communicate through the year. We are friends. And I'm so very thankful. And I'll give you honor today. I'm submitted to my husband today. Brother Grant knows I'm here. And today I'm under your covering. I submit myself to you. Will you turn in your Bibles with me to Matthew chapter 6? I know you've been standing a while and we're going to read this and then you can be seated. But I like to stand to honor the, the Word of God, don't you? The Word is anointed. In my Bible, it's in red letters. Jesus said these words. And it's under a subtitle of Teachings on Worry. Has right here in my Bible, teachings on worry. Verse 25 says, Therefore I say unto you, take no thought for your life, what ye shall eat or what ye shall drink, nor yet for your body what ye shall put on. Is not the life more than meat in the body than raiment? Behold the fowls of the air, for they sow not, neither do they reap, nor gather into barns. Yet your heavenly Father feedeth them. Are ye not much better than they? Which of you, by taking thought, can add one cubit unto his stature? And why take ye thought for raiment? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They toy not, toil not, neither do they spin. And yet I say unto you that even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. Wherefore, if God so clothed the grass of the field which today is and tomorrow is cast into the oven, shall he not much more clothe you, O ye of little faith? Therefore take no thought, saying, what shall we eat or what shall we drink or wherewithal shall we be clothed? For after all these things do the Gentiles seek. For your heavenly Father knoweth that ye have need of all these things. But seek ye first the kingdom of God, and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. Take therefore no thought for the morrow, for the morrow shall take thought for the things of itself. Sufficient unto the day is the evil thereof. I could give an altar call right now. That word is anointed. You feel the Holy Ghost begin to move in when we read the word. The Lord speaking to us this morning on this subject. My dad will take care of it. My dad will take care of it. You may be seated. My dad's going to take care of it. My heavenly father. 
I want to qualify what I'm getting ready to say to you by reminding you that you cannot compare your earthly father experience to your relationship with your heavenly father. What that means is if you, like I, had a great dad, it was much easier for you when it came time to give your heart to the Lord because we tend to compare our experience with our earthly father, our daddy, to our heavenly father. And those among us who did not have a dad that knew how to be a dad, I don't say that had a, a bad father or had a bad dad. I don't say that because the reason why perhaps you were abused or your dad didn't know how to be a father was because he himself was abused. Hurting people hurt other people. You've heard me say that many times. And so it is that way in our families when moms and dads do not know how to parent. It's because their parents didn't know how to parent them. And so the cycle continues. Someone along the way has to break that and say, you know, my dad didn't know how to be a good dad and I forgive him, I release him, but I'm going to do my best to be a good dad. So putting aside your experience of life today, if you will, and focus on the one that you can count on all the time, your heavenly dad, and how much he cares for you and loves you. And it doesn't matter how old you are, we are still his children. Compared to the age of God, we are little kids. And except you become like a child, you won't even enter in. Because he is requiring of us the kind of trust that you can really rely on him and know that he's going to take care of things. You're here today because you said, I'm not worried about getting a virus or running out of toilet paper. I'm going to church. And that is not to down anyone who isn't here or who is not going to participate right now. I'm not going there because we have to make our own choices. But I'm just commending you because I know you are people of faith. And if this will help you today, I, and I hope that it does, to continue in the days to come. Because this is not the end of this, it's the beginning of this. It is the beginning of prophecy being fulfilled, the book of Revelation opening up before our eyes. I don't know at what point Jesus is going to snatch us out of here, but it could be any moment. Don't deceive yourself and think that we have a long time because we do not. And what we're experiencing right now, the, the assembling together is even being attacked right now. Our home church Calvary Gospel in Madison, Wisconsin had to cancel this morning because in Dane County, over 250 people are not allowed to assemble. They first said other groups, churches were exempt. They came back last evening and, and the governor said it is also including churches. If you have more than 250 people, you may not assemble. We're living in terrible times. 
but we're also living in exciting times because we have a heavenly father that's taking care of us so that we can go out in the highways and byways and compel them to come in. It's never a greater time to win the lost than when they're fearful. But we can't join them in fear. I read to you a scripture, even the fowls of the air can trust him to feed them. He's never seen the righteous forsaken or his seed out begging bread. I was going through a very difficult time in life about three and a half years ago. Sorrow and pain, and I have alluded to this as I've ministered to you the last three years, four years total, I think. And I have not really told the story and I still won't because I don't look in the rearview mirror. I look in the windshield. It's bright and beautiful. The rearview mirror is tiny. If you keep looking in that, you'll wreck. I don't want to wreck. I just keep walking with the Lord and he takes care of me. And he certainly has. He's blessed me abundantly. But to refer back to something that happened to try to help you today, three and a half years ago, I was packed packed up moving from my home state where I was born and raised where my parents are buried the place of my birth all I'd ever known and loved and I packed up and what I had for 56 years of life was in a 5 by 10 and I was broken I was continuing to minister every weekend. I wasn't sharing my story, my sorrow, what had happened to me, something that was not my fault, something I didn't do. And, and sometimes we suffer at the hands of other people's choices, other people's sin. Don't ever blame God for those things. It's not God's fault. He doesn't tell people they can't sin or we would all be robots. And most of us, when we go through things, we either suffer at the hands of others because of sin or we are reaping consequences because of our own sin. So we don't blame God. So I, I just don't know what to do but hold my head up and keep marching forward and do what I've been called to do and, and put a smile on my face. And, and that's what I was doing. But in my alone times, I wasn't always smiling, really, Kylie. I was, I was in the Walmart. I'm having to buy lots of new things and I'm having to put together a, a little apartment and, and I, I'm, I'm just, I'm very alone that day. I'm, I'm standing there in the sheets. I, I have a, a package of sheets in my hand for, for my bed and, and I'm just all of a sudden, and I don't know if you've ever been through deep grieving, grieving for a, a loss, a, a death or divorce or someone that has left your life or hurt you severely, but grief is real. It's a part of healing. When you're hurting, you grieve and you don't grieve forever. That's not normal to grieve forever. But it comes in waves, waves of grief. You think you're doing just great and all of a sudden a wave hits you. I am standing in Walmart. I don't, I don't expect this wave to hit me. I am holding these sheets in my hands and I'm telling you, it hit me. I was hurting in to the very deepest part of my heart. I, I was bent over double. The tears began to roll. I couldn't have stopped them if I wanted to. And I'm thinking how alone I am, how alone I feel. And I, I can't even breathe. I, th I think I got to get to the car, but I don't want to leave this aisle. I, I, it was like I was paralyzed. I don't want anybody to see me. And I, I'm standing there and I just say, Jesus, Jesus. I, I, I know what my dad's name is. 
I've learned to call that name in times of trouble. In the days and months to come, you're going to find yourself driving along, turning off the radio because you're going to hear a lot of stuff that's not even true if you listen and feed your mind on it. And you're going to turn off the radio and turn off the news and turn off all of the outside voices. And you're going to say, Jesus, Jesus, calling on your heavenly dad because he's the one that can take care of things. I'm standing there and all of a sudden I feel the Holy Ghost. It's as if he's wrapped his arms around me and he's standing in the store holding me. And then I look up and there's a sparrow. Alive, breathing, moving sparrow sitting on the sheets in front of me. I did not get my phone and take a picture because I could not even think. I'm like, this is unreal. No one will ever believe this. Now, I know birds fly around in the garden center at Walmart because they got bird seed that gets pecked open and for some reason birds get in there, okay? But this was in the sheets. <laughs> I wasn't looking at bird seed. And a little sparrow sits down and the promises that my father has made me begin to roll into my spirit. Then I begin to remember that when I am low, he lifts me up. When I am weak, he is strong. I can trust my dad to take care of me in the midnight hour, in the scary times of life, in the low points. He's always there. He is the comforter. I was delivering my first child. I was terrified. I know everybody always says, well, look around you. Everybody in the whole world got here this way. Couldn't be that scary. It's usually a man that says that. (laughs) Don't minimize it. It was something that came from God in the Garden of Eden. It was a curse. God curses something. It hurts. (laughs) I gave birth. She came way too fast. And I was in a lot of pain. And they took her away. It was back in the days where they whisked your baby away from you. Just when you needed it the most. You just did all that. And you need to be able to see what happened. They whisk them away. They're going to bring them back in a little while. Everybody leaves to go get something to eat. It's all over. It's all happy for everybody else. I'm laying in that room alone. Three or four o'clock in the morning. No baby. In pain. Wondering what really just happened to me. This, This just can't be real. That anybody could hurt that bad and still be alive. And I'm all alone and I say, Jesus. Jesus. And I'm scared. And the the enemy comes to you when you're scared. That's why you can't let yourself get scared. Because your mind plays tricks on you when you buy into fear. You're going to die. What happened to you wasn't a normal birth. Something's wrong with your baby. That's why they're not bringing it back. They're going to come in here and tell you that your baby died. 
Oh, the voice was loud. I was in that room in the dark, just a little exit light shining in and, and the, the lies of the enemy. You know, when you're in pain, when your body is in pain or when you're sick, it opens the door to the spirit world and you hear voices that you don't hear any other time. When you're weak, that's why you need people to lift you up and pray for you because you can't do it for yourself. I, I was laying there all alone and all these lies coming from the enemy and, and, and I, I can't go to sleep and I'm hurting and no one is checking on me and I'm all alone. And all of a sudden, the, a, a little nightlight flipped on and a little old lady all, dressed all in white like a, a nurse. I mean, this lady looked like she was in her late 70s, early 80s. She came to my bedside and, and she got, had a white wash rag and she put it under the water and she got it real, real warm and wrung it out. And she washed my brow and across my face. She washed down my arms and, and wiped off my, my hands. She said, honey, let me, let me wipe your face off. Let me, I'm going to wipe away all your fear and all your worry right now, honey. Everything's going to be all right. They're going to bring your baby to you in a few minutes. She's beautiful. She's healthy. And they're going to bring your baby to you. And you're going to be all right, darling. And she just wiped off my face and my hands. And she laid the, the washcloth over. And then she turned off the light. And she left. And peace flooded that room. And I fell asleep. I just went right to sleep. And in a little while, the sun was coming up. And, and they brought my baby in and laid my beautiful baby in my arms. And all was well with the world. And, and so I said to the, the lady that brought my baby. There's a woman on this floor. She's in her probably early 80s, a lovely, short, um, all white hair, dressed in nursing uniform. And she came in early in the wee hours of the morning, like 5 o'clock, and washed my face with a washcloth and talked to me kind. And she said, honey, they haven't given you any meds at all. <laughs> I said, I, I know. I, I, I didn't say she gave me meds. I said, she came in. She said, honey, there's nobody in this hospital that walks around with a washcloth washing people's faces in the morning. Maybe you dreamed that. I said, no, I wasn't asleep. I said, matter of fact, the washcloth is laying right there. I asked everybody that came in that room all day and nobody could tell me about the little old lady with the washcloth. Why? Because I'm his girl and when I get in a low place and I call on the name of my dad, he'll send angels to minister to me. I've had ministering angels come many, many times through the years because God sent them. He knows exactly what we need, when we need it. So why wouldn't he provide during this disaster? Disaster we're in. He'll take care of us. He's going to take care of us. You run out of water, he'll supply. He's going to take care of us. He knows how to give good gifts to his children, the Bible says. We are his children. He comforts, comforts us when we're hurting. There is something called a Jesus hug. Through the years, when I got groups of children together, after they received the Holy Ghost and after the power of God had fallen and I did this in camps, I've done this overseas in different countries, I've done it with thousands of children and the Lord spoke to me one night, he said I want to hug them. 
I had the children sit back in their seats and put their little arms around themselves in an embrace, in a hug. And I began to tell them that every secret in your life, everything that's worrying you, mommy and daddy getting a divorce, or, or daddy doesn't come and visit you, or there's a bully at school, somebody that treats you mean, or you, your school teacher doesn't seem to like you, all the things that are happening in your life. Someone has, has come into your room at night and hurt you, and they tell you not to tell anybody, and you're afraid. I mean, I spell it out, and I ask them to hold themselves, their arms. I said, you're going to feel your own arms for a moment, and then Jesus is going to walk in, and he's going to wrap his arms around you in a Jesus hug, and it won't be your arms anymore. It's going to be his arm. I cannot tell you what happens in those meetings when God comes in as the father, the dad, and wraps his arms around those babies, and they begin to sob and weep and cry and tell Jesus all their troubles, and all of a sudden, he sweeps through that auditorium and wraps his arms around them. You talk about Shekinah glory, the children speaking with tongues and weeping and talking to God because he wants to give us a Jesus hug, a reassurance. He's our, he's our dad. He's taking care of us. I was in Paris, France and on a Wednesday night and they did not, most people bring their children to church. That was several years back. I said, Brother Novaki, I would have loved to minister to the children tonight. And he said, well, the people don't bring their children. I said, well, I see a few sitting there and church is getting ready to start. And I had ministered on Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. But Wednesday we were just attending. And, and, and he said, well, there are about seven here. Do you want to take them out? I said, yeah, I do. So he sent me an interpreter and, and seven little children, ages about five through nine. And we went in a room. There wasn't any chairs. They sat in a circle on the floor. I sat on the floor with them. I had my little heart and a little red heart and my little gold heart. And, and I, I sat there on the floor and with the interpreter, I just talked about a Jesus that loves them and cares for them and how he wants to take us to a place that's better than where we are called heaven and how wonderful heaven's going to be and no boo-boos and no tears and and all of that, and, and they begin to cry because they're kids. See, we have to work at becoming kids. Kids are already kids. They're just weeping and crying, and, and I asked the interpreter how many of them need the Holy Ghost, and there were four out of the seven that did not have the Holy Ghost, and so we, we made a circle out of all of us that had the Holy Ghost, and we put those four in the middle, and we began to pray a prayer of faith, and instantly three were filled with the baptism of the Holy Ghost, all three speaking in tongues, and the interpreter was verifying, and it was a beautiful, I mean, no music playing, just the faith of a child. But the one little girl, she was six years old and, and a little tiny thing and she had her hands over her eyes and she was just crying and crying and crying and the interpreter was working with her and she kept saying, but I'm afraid, I'm afraid, but I'm afraid. Well, God doesn't work in the realm of fear. He works in the realm of faith. And so 
she is just weeping and crying and I, I don't know what to do to help her. So I asked the Lord, what can, I, what can I do to help this little girl to receive the Holy Ghost? She's repented of her sins. She wants the Holy Ghost, but she's afraid. I begin to bind the spirit of fear and, and I'm loosing faith on her. And she did finally lift her, her little hands and, and the Lord spoke to me. He said, go put your arms around her and hug her. I'm thinking, well, I don't just hug people while they're praying. The Lord said, go hug her. So I walked straight to her and her little arms up and I wrapped my arms around her. I got down low where I could really put my arms around her close and I just held her close to me. And the minute I wrapped my arms around her, I, I've never felt the Holy Ghost on somebody before. I saw it, I've heard it, but I, her little body started rumbling under the power of the Holy Ghost. She lifted those hands and began to speak with other tongues. It was the most beautiful language and fluent and every Every eye in that, in that room was weeping and talking in tongues. And the power of God filled that room. The interpreter, she was beside herself. When the little girl was done, she ran to the, the teacher, the interpreter. And she began to just chatter in, in French. She said, she wants to tell you something. She was so afraid to receive the Holy Ghost. But she had lifted her hands and said, Jesus, help me not to be afraid. And all of a sudden, she saw a vision of Jesus. And Jesus was walking towards her with his arms opened, ready to hug her. And the minute Jesus got to her and wrapped his arms around her, she said, it felt real. It felt so real. Because the minute he wrapped his arms around me and gave me a hug, I wasn't afraid and he filled me with the Holy Ghost. I'm talking about a Jesus hug. Hallelujah. Our dad wants to take care of us. He loves us. He forgives us. He not only forgives what we do wrong, but he forgets about it. I witnessed my mom and dad lots of times. Not only forgive me, but just forget about it. They didn't mention it anymore. Wasn't talked about. They didn't bring it up as a funny story. But they just forgot. They chose to forget. That's what Jesus does. You see, he really is a father who cares. I had a great dad. I loved my dad. When my dad was dying of leukemia, I was 25 years old. I wasn't ready to lose my dad. It's a very difficult time. Lots of wonderful memories. He was strong. I could trust my dad. My dad could fix anything. I'd bring something to his his little workstation in the garage. One time a leg fell off of a brand new doll. I was going to be in trouble with mom because she, you know, always said I played with everything too rough. And I did and snapped her leg off. I said, Dad, mom's going to kill me because she just got me this doll. And I, actually, I'll tell you what I was doing. I had her standing on the turntable of the the record player, most of you young people don't know what a record player is. 
it's, you put giant CDs on it. <laughs> and uh, it has a needle, and the needle goes around on that giant CD. I still don't know how it works. And sound comes out. And I had a little record player, and we shared it between me and my sister. And I would get that record player when nobody was watching because I really wasn't supposed to do it. And I would I'd fasten my doll on top in the middle. There was just a place where where that thing went around and around. And if you turned it on, on 33, she danced real slow. If you put her on 45, she, she danced fast. That's where I had the Holy Ghost, Brother Kylie. And uh, so she snapped her leg off on that record player. And so I, I was in trouble both ways. I was supposed to be doing that, and I was, you know, broke my doll. And Dad laid her up on the workbench, and he got out a screw and a drill, a little tiny drill bit, and right, right in her leg and put a screw in there. He said, now go put some clothes on her. Nobody ever know the difference. <laughs> he saved me more than once. He didn't yell. He didn't chastise me. He forgave me. Dad came home, and, and dad, dad wasn't one to say I love you a lot, but he showed it. And he was kind of rough. He was southern boy. Mom was a city girl. He came in one day, and he bought three boxes of chocolates. And he threw one on the couch by my mom. He pitched one to me and my sister, and uh, we were so delighted because we didn't have a lot of money. We didn't get a lot of candy, a lot of gifts. And I had my very own box of chocolates. My very first one. And I remember so clearly grabbing up that little box of chocolates and running to my room and slamming the door because I didn't want someone to say, we got to put that up or you got to share it. Or it was mine. Daddy got it for me. And so I'm sitting in the middle of my bed and I take the lid off that box of chocolates and, well, I have one today. If you didn't bring something for the potluck, I'm going to share my chocolate after, afterwards. You know, when you, when you get a box of chocolates, and, and this is real here, it has that piece of paper in there. Makes you want to wad it up and chew it. <laughs> Smells divine. And uh, I opened up that box of chocolates, and you know how they're all they're all different. You start picking out the one you want for later. I, I'm sitting in the middle of my bed, and I can't believe my eyes. I mean, all I ever had was like a quarter of a Hershey chocolate bar at that point in my life. I just knew chocolate was divine, and I wanted more of it. And, and, and so I'm looking at this, and I'm thinking, I can't, I can't believe it. This is all mine. All of these chocolates are mine. I was trying to figure out how many I was going to eat before Mom came and took it away. And so I, I picked out one. I, I picked out a chocolate, and, and I'm sitting in the middle of my bed, and I'm just so excited, and I'm thinking I'm going to eat like three right now. And so I open it up, and, and I pop the whole thing in my mouth. And I got the shock of my life. Someone had taken perfectly good chocolate and put orange bumpy stuff in it. <laughs> and 
And see, I was raised back in the day where you didn't spit stuff out. Even if no one was watching. Now kids say, I don't like that. And their parents let them eat jelly sandwiches where everybody else is having roast beef. Not when we were growing up. We ate what was set before us and we ate all of it. Because there were starving children in Ethiopia. And you don't ever tell your mom to pack it up and send it to them. That does not work out well. <laughs> I'm chewing and chewing and this orange mumpy stuff mixed with chocolate is not good. And I don't like it. And I am devastated. I'm just, I'm just a little girl. I'm about six years old. My first box of chocolates... And I'm crying, I'm looking down at that box and I'm just dismayed and I, I, I'm crying and I'm, I'm swallowing that nasty orange bumpy stuff and I can't believe it. My whole day is ruined. Matter of fact, I think my life is ruined. My dad's wondering where I am. What happened? Why'd she disappear so quick? He comes to the bedroom door and he knocks and opens the door and I see the look of shock on his face. I'm sitting there bawling. I'm, I'm having a meltdown. If you don't know what a meltdown is, you're probably not married. I was having a meltdown. I was sobbing and crying. And, and he rushed to my side and he wrapped his arms around me. He sat down on the bed. He wrapped his arms around me and he pulled me up into his lap. And he took his big hanky out and he wiped my nose and wiped my eyes. And he said, baby, what in the world is the matter? I said, oh, daddy, I just, I just don't like the chocolates because they have orange bumpy stuff in them. And I'm just sobbing and crying. And I see the look on his face. It's almost a smirk. You know, when you know something somebody else doesn't know, it's not a smile. It's a smirk. And I'm watching his face because children learn to watch their parents' faces early on in life to anticipate what's coming. It would do us all very well to get into a place of prayer and look into our father's face and you might figure out what's coming. I ask the Lord very often, Lord, are you smiling when you look at me? <laughs> If you're not smiling, I want to fix it. Because I want to please you, Lord. A good child wants to please their parents. And they watch your face. Dad was smirking because he knew something I didn't know. I hadn't yet asked. I presumed. I thought that every candy in that box was orange bumpy stuff that I was not going to like. And if we're not careful, we'll go through life with an attitude that says, gloom and doom on me, just about everything bad happens to me, so it's probably going to happen today. And probably this is going to happen, and that's going to happen, and when this is all said and done, it, it, we're all going to be broken without anything. It's a trick of the enemy. 
to war against our mind, to get our mind off truth and off the mission and why we're here. We are on a pilgrim journey, friends. We don't live here. This city is not your city. That house is not your house. That car you're driving isn't even yours. My case, it's the bank's. Nothing is ours. It's all temporal, provided by our dad so that we'll be comfortable while we're here doing his work. We were sent here for a purpose. Every one of us has a job to do. And it's all about one thing, winning souls. And if we will keep that the main thing in our life, we won't be worried about what's going on around us. We're getting ready to really go home. Our heaven is our home. Our treasures are laid up for us where no one can take them away. The stock market doesn't affect it. Daddy was holding me, that smirk on his face. He said, baby, listen to me. You think all of them taste the same. Yeah. They don't. There's a peanut butter one. There's a chocolate fudge one. There's caramel. Why? There's a lot of different kinds in there. You're going to love it. But let me tell you what to do. When you get ready to eat one, you pick it up and you hold it in your little hand. And you take your little pinky finger. Oh, y'all do that too? And you poke your little finger in the bottom. And you, you make a little hole and you look in there. And if it's orange bumpy stuff, you don't have to eat it. You poke them until you find one you like. Boy, daddy set me free. I said, okay, daddy, so, so I just throw this in the trash then. The, the ones with the pink or, or the orange bumpy stuff, which were nuts, by the way. I just, I just throw that away, right? Well, no. Don't throw it away. Just put it back. Just put it back in there. Get you another one. I didn't question. I just did what he told me. Your heavenly father's talking to you today. He's talking to me. I don't like Corona. I don't like what's going on. I don't like how it makes me feel. I don't like it when I have pain in my body. I don't like it when I have to visit the doctor. Okay, what you don't like, put it back. Come to an old-fashioned altar and get on your knees and lay it before the Lord. Dad, you said I could bring my needs to you. Now here it is. I'm not going to carry this any longer. I'm going to put it back. Because he has all the answers. Come to the keyboard and give him some hope, would you? <laughs> 
I, I, I just did that. I, I kept eating my chocolates. I told dad, I said, I'm going to keep it in my secret place under my other pillow on my bed, okay? Everything was under there, my lucky rabbit's foot, everything. Dad said, sure, that'd be great. So I'd open my little box of candy and I'd poke my finger in and if I didn't like it, I'd just put it back. And then I would eat the ones I liked. It was dwindling down pretty quick. (laughs) But there were several left in that box. One day I went in to open the box just to see if there were any left other than the poked ones. And when I pulled out the box of chocolates, it was empty. Because my dad would take care of it. My dad would eat anything. And he knew where my hiding place was. That's why he said, don't throw them away. Because all the ugliness, all the horrible things you go through, dad just takes care of it. If you put it in the secret place. What's the secret place? Place of prayer. Where you get alone with him. Why is it called the secret place? Because you tell him your secrets. You know, the Bible says that all of us are going to be made manifest before him. Naked. Nothing hidden. The secret sin you might have in your life, he already knows it. He loves you anyway. The horrible attitudes some of us have and have a hard time controlling our tongue. and He already knows it. He loves you anyway. Keep sending people to try to help you. He hasn't struck you dead. Because he loves us all the same. He loves us whether we're behaving or misbehaving. Just like dad. And dad, when you least expect it, will come in on the scene. And what you've laid at his feet disappears. All the brokenness that came with it, all the hurt, the betrayal, the fear, the doubt. I mean, I I woke up just the other morning and here's me being transparent again. And I heard my husband, I I, I can say this because he went out. He's praying back there. And I looked over and I heard him lying in bed next to me praying and calling out my name and the names of the children and grandchildren. And it was almost surreal when I realized the brokenness standing in Walmart with a set of sheets and my life over. Betrayal. Brokenness. And how far in three and a half years my father had brought me But you know what the secret was? When I am weak, He is strong. When I'm alone and afraid, 
He wraps his arms around me in a Jesus hug. He sends an angel with a washcloth. On and on and on. I don't have to fear anything because I'm his. Some people grow out of needing their heavenly father. And you tie his hands when you don't pray. When you don't take your fears to him. When you try to work it all out yourself. When you have a pill in your cabinet for everything and you never even ask him to heal you. You take the power out of his hands. Because he's a perfect gentleman and he won't touch you unless you want to be touched. He won't come into your life and speak into your life. He won't come in the secret place and underneath your pillow take out that little box of chocolates and make all that yuck disappear unless you want him to. You can waller in your mess or you can say, I'm helpless. I'm a little child in your sight. Jesus, I need you. Here's my heart. I bring my heart to you, Jesus. Please forgive me. You know, repentance isn't just one time. We die daily. Lord, please forgive me for my stinking attitude. Please forgive me for my gossiping tongue. Please forgive me for not being in alignment to your word. Please forgive me, Lord, for having a spirit of fear. You've not given me fear. Forgive me. If we've been fearful through this thing, we need to repent. Before we leave here, we need to get in the altar and say, forgive me, Lord, for getting all caught up in the the news and what they're saying and being fearful. Forgive me, Lord. I trust you. Forgive me, Lord, for not witnessing to my neighbors when I know you're coming soon. Forgive me, Lord, for my sin. The Bible says if we confess our sin, He's faithful and just to forgive us our sins. Whatever condition your heart is in this morning, broken, bruised, battered, shattered, dirty, you bring it to Dad. He'll take care of it. He gives good gifts to His children. The Bible says he takes away our old stony heart. What a gift. The gift of a brand new heart. The Bible calls it the gift of the Holy Ghost. My dad gave me the gift of the Holy Ghost at the age of nine. I sat on the front row and Brother Billy Cole put his hand over top of a little chubby freckle faced girl put his hand down on top of my head and Jesus filled me with the gift. And at that moment, my life changed. You see, you belong to him. You're his child. Your life is not your own. When you give him your heart, when you go down in the water in baptism in Jesus' name, the only way to be baptized The only way in scripture anyone was baptized. You go down in that water, you come up a new creature in Christ Jesus. You take on the family name. I was happy to be Vicki Joe Smith. 
because my daddy named me that and his name was Elwood Smith. I had dad's name. You should be proud of your family name because now I'm Vicki Joe Vernon, Jesus Christ. I got dad's name. When you walk out into that world, you don't belong out there because they don't have that last name. We're part of a family. That's why we don't eat each other up. Why we get along. Why we work toward not division, but unity. Because we're part of the family. And he's our dad. We have one father. And he's over us all. He gives good gifts to his children. You don't have the Holy Ghost today. Today's your day. If you haven't been baptized in Jesus' name, you need to do it today. Not wait till somebody gets here to watch you or wait until your hair's done a certain way or quit making excuses because when the trumpet sounds and it may, may be at any moment, you must be covered by the blood of Jesus. You must take on the family name to join the family reunion. You're going to need that Holy Ghost to take you up when he comes. If you don't have it, today's your day. But as we see these things unfolding around us, church, it's time to get ready. It's time to get ready. Not to be fearful, but to look up. Your redemption draweth nigh. He's coming for those who are watching for his appearing. Are you watching? Watching the news, watch the sky. Would you stand? Thank you for listening to this Abundant Life Church podcast. We pray it has strengthened your relationship with God and will continue to be a light unto your pathway to heaven. If you have any questions or comments regarding this podcast, please telephone our ministerial team at 262-965-5177 or email us at info at abundantlifechurch.org.